Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Jesus Christ Power Over Demons. So the story that we just heard from Mary Alice fits really well. This whole spiritual warfare theme is what we're starting off with here in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. Now, if you were here last week, if you weren't here, make sure you get the CD because they're all going to build on each other. But we started a new section in the book of Mark, which is Jesus Christ's power. Jesus' power. And we, we're seeing that he's opening the disciples' eyes and our eyes to the fact that Jesus Christ is God's Son. He's the Son of God, the only Son of God. And last week we saw Jesus' power over nature. If you weren't here, well, you missed a wild one. Get the CD, you know, listen on the podcast. It's what a passage. But it talks about Jesus calming the storm, how he has power over the so-called forces of nature, right? And the, the natural forces, the so-called natural forces. And, and we looked at how he has power not only over the storms of nature, but the storms of our lives, the lives that we go through. And he's, he used that story to teach us a lesson on faith, whether we're going to hit the button. Remember the three buttons, the feeling, fear, or the faith button, whenever we face life's storms. And we're going to see today that not only does Jesus have power over the natural forces, so-called natural forces, but we also can have faith in Jesus when we're facing the super supernatural forces, the battles that we face. We're going to see here from this passage that Jesus has power over Satan and his demons. We've talked about this before. Demons and Satan are just fallen angels. They're angels that rebelled against God. One-third of all the angels in heaven at one point rebelled against God. They were thrown out of heaven. Uh, their whole goal is to take us to hell with them. That's their whole goal. They know where they're headed, as we're going to see from this passage as we get into the study. We're just going to start it today. We're going to do the intro. It's going to take us a few weeks to get through this one. It's wild. But, we t- but that's their whole goal. And if we become a Christian, once we put our faith in Christ, we've t- put our faith in Christ for our salvation, once that happens, they can't keep us out of heaven anymore but what they can do is try to keep us from reaching our spiritual potential they try to mess us up spiritually keep us from becoming the person that god has created us to be from achieving our god's purpose in our life that's what they're trying to do and to keep us from taking others to heaven with us they want to the more messed up we are spiritually less people we're going to take to heaven with us that's all part of the, the spiritual plan we've talked about this a lot just give me a quick overview before we look at the passage let me pray because it's a it's a heavy one. Father, we thank you for the Thanksgiving season. And we thank you that we're coming into this Christmas season right from that. And we thank you because we know what it means that your son, the one and only son of God, Jesus Christ, was born. Born so that he could die for us. And I pray that the full meaning of that comes out as we look at his power over nature, over demons, over sickness, over death, as we go through this chapter, Lord, that it would change the way that we look at everything and the way that we live, and your spirit would be able to move in our hearts and lives in a special way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read the passage today, but once again, we're just going to get a little bit into it. It's wild, wild. We'll start with verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. 
For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him. Jesus did not let him but said, Go home and tell your family and tell them... Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Wow, what a passage. This is going to take some digging. There's so much amazing stuff. Remember the fear that the disciples had when he calmed the storm? And you see the same fear. We're going to get into that in a few weeks here. In the next few weeks, the fear that they have when they see Jesus' power. We talked about that. Once they can get the CD, grab it on the way out, uh, it all builds on it itself. But first, I want to talk about this demoniac. We need to talk about what we would call possession. Many times we talk about demon possession in our culture. The word itself, possession, is not found anywhere in the Bible. Uh, We find in the Bible Jesus attacking people and harassing people and tempting people. We also see that the Bible talks about spiritual strongholds that Satan can encourage us to allow into our life. In fact, in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, it says, a really good one. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold, a foothold. Talking about a stronghold that we can, can we give Satan? That's fear is just one of them. We can give him many, many different strongholds in our life. The main word, though, from attacks and, and strongholds, the main word, the next level that we would use for possession in the Greek is actually demonization. Demonization. And there's different degrees of demonization. Just like there's different degrees of letting the Holy Spirit fill us. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've asked for forgiveness for your sins, and put your faith in Christ and given your life to him, the Holy Spirit comes into you at that moment. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. But we have a choice. Are we going to be filled with the Spirit on a daily basis? He's there. But are we going to allow him to fill us on a daily basis? Or are we going to grieve the Spirit or quench the Spirit, putting out the Spirit's fire? What are we going to do with the Holy Spirit? Are we going to let the Spirit control our life or sin and Satan control our life? We have that decision to make every day day and just as the holy spirit can control us we can also allow satan to have control in our lives it's the same picture here and in the bible we see in addition to the strongholds in addition to the attacks in addition to that we see people what we call possessed it could be one demon in the bible you have one demon possession whatever you want to call it 
demonization. We have sometimes there's seven demons. In this case, there's a legion. There's many, many thousands of, of demons attached to this man here. Now, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, at that point, the Holy Spirit comes in. And the whole, God now owns you. He, he's in your soul and, and, and owns, owns us here. The Holy Spirit is inside us. And we can no longer be completely controlled by Satan like someone who's not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, it's, if you open up the doors or something happens, you could be completely controlled by Satan. But as a Christian, you can't be because the Holy Spirit is there. All right? Satan, once you put your faith in Christ, and it's a good motivation for doing it, right? Satan can no longer, the demons can no longer just jump in and control you somehow out of the blue. They can't do that. But we can give, and this is the key, we can give Satan and demons strongholds. We can give them control of areas of our life. We can give them control in our lives. Think of it as a house. This is the way I like to explain it. As a house... We have our body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a house, and there's many rooms in a house, right? We, in, in, our, in our house, our body, we have a, a physical body, we have a mental body, we, we, we have a spiritual, emotional, we have many different components that make up who we are. And each one of those can become a room that we give Satan control. We let him into that room. We can give him a foothold in our life in some way. We can give Satan and, and demons influence. Now, if you're a Christian, you can't be totally possessed. But we can be oppressed. And it doesn't look a whole lot different sometimes, let me tell you. I've dealt with both extensively. We can be oppressed. That's what can happen to a Christian. It's true, it's easier to get free. If you've put your faith in Christ and you give Satan some kind of control, it's easier to get free as you're, you're prayed for and prayed over and, and, and start to take back that ground. It's easier to get free because you have the Holy Spirit already within you. Someone without the Holy Spirit in them is very difficult to expel demon, demonic forces. But if you're a Christian, it's a lot easier because the Holy Spirit is there. Now, he's been quenched. He's been grieved. That's how they got there in the first place. But, but you can get that freedom a lot easier. But the effects are very, very similar. Either way, of possession, oppression, there's still bondage. There's still damage. It's all, it's all still there. How does it happen? The main way it happens is we open the door. You see this biblically, and we see it in ministry. We open the door to demonic influence through involvement with sin, through certain kinds of sin, any kind of sin, but especially certain kinds of sin, or by involvement with demonic type of activities, like Ouija boards or New Age movements and different things, witchcraft things, could be movies, could, could be a lot of ways that the doors open. And that's how we as, as Christians have to be very careful, because we can give Satan strongholds, footholds. And if you're not a Christian, you can give him more than a foothold, you can give him your total control. Uh, with kids, kids... Uh, who experiment with the occult, get involved in occult kind of games, and, or read, uh, watch occult-based movies or occult books. And a lot of them look very innocent, but let me tell you, they're not. I've dealt with it. Uh, I, what you, you know, horror books. And I remember one particular mom who, whose son was manifesting demonic activity, and we got to the bottom of it. It took, took hours of prayer and discernment. We finally got to the bottom. She read horror books. She was really into horror. And uh, what we would, well, this was 20 years ago. Now it would be like just mainstream, you know, the vampires and all this other stuff. It just, she was into that, and she wore the black, and she read these books. And as a result, the kid had 
demonic influence in his life. We had, she had to throw all the books away and get it out of her life, and she had to re- repent of it, renounce it, and that broke the power. Uh, teenagers. A common way that I see teenagers opening the doors, demonic doorways, is through drug use. Drug use. You may not be aware of it, but drugs are used throughout the world and all throughout history with worshiping demons. Now, they, they call it idols or whatever you want to call it, but we know what the Bible says the idols are demons. And what, they, what these, if you study history or even other cultures, they, people take the drugs and they try to hallucinate and they try to connect, open themselves up to the friendly spirit guides or, or what we would call demons. They call them, you know, spirit guides or something. They think of them as something positive. But what happens is when you take, that's, what, that's the way drugs are used in many, many different religions all throughout the world and all throughout history to open themselves up to, to, to the demonic. Now, someone takes drugs, they're not intentionally looking to pray to a demon, but once you give up your self-control, your consciousness, once you give up control of that, you are opening yourselves up. And I've seen, I'm, I'm telling you, I've dealt with it a lot. I've dealt with it a lot. That opens the door to demonic activity. Drug use does it. Even recreational, by the way. Uh, but the, but the, more, and the more we get controlled by the drug, the more open we become to that. Now, use a, an adult story. Uh, it just keeps on going. And, and, and a way we see a lot of ad- adults get caught up in it is through pornography. That's a major open door to the demonic. Is, is pornography. I could tell you some scary stories. Some scary stories of things we've had to deal with. Now, that doesn't mean if you just look at pornography one time, you're demon-possessed. Yeah, I don't want to freak anybody out. Same if you don't just use drugs one time, you're not demon-possessed. But once you start getting into the habitual habit of it and keep opening yourself up, there's, it's very, very serious. It becomes a stronghold. And in time, if it's not repented of and dealt with, I use pornography. If it's not dealt with, you give up your you give up yourself to demonic control, and and we have a sexual purity ministry, and and you, you need help with this. Go go to those guys. They'll, they'll tell you what can happen if you get caught up in the pornography. It's it's powerful, and you want you want proof? Just read the news. Look at the horrific events happening in our country, constantly. I mean, just read the news. These horrible, horrific, sexual, murdering crimes. I'll tell you what that is. That's demonic. They always blame it on something else, psychology. They'll come up with an answer or something. That's demonic. Trust me, that is demonic. It is horrible. In fact, uh, I don't know if you have ever listened to Dr. Dobson, Dr. James Dobson, when he interviewed Ted Bundy before he was executed. Remember Ted Bundy, one of the worst ever? And he, Ted Bundy, connected the dots. He told Dr. Dobson, it's a, a tremendous tape to listen to, recording. He said, he traced his whole, all the sick things he did back to pornography. He said, that's what's sick into my mind. And Dr. Dobson said, that's what opened the door to the, the, the demonic in his life. That's what sickened his mind. And it's terrifying, isn't it? Because we have a whole generation now that's being poisoned, saturated in this. And, and it's, boy, if you don't have covenant eyes on your computer some kind of security system for yourself and for your children, you're playing with fire. And uh, same thing with the TV, you better have controls, you know, set the controls so the kids are careful what, what you and your kids can watch. You make sure you do whatever it takes. Very, 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 and if you're caught up in something, once again, see me, we're not judge anyway. We got, we got a, a sexual purity group that 
You cannot surprise these guys one little bit. They're there for anybody, whatever you're struggling with, men, women, you know. It's, but it's, it's very important. It's crazy. We allow our whole society to be just saturated with this sexual sin. And then we're shocked when people act out on what they're looking at, right? I'm shocked that more people aren't doing it. But I, I think we're facing a tsunami in time. And I'm telling you, read the news. When you read the news, read it with different eyes. You will see demonic activity everywhere in the news. Now, let's say we have a stronghold in our life, and we all battle them. Every one of us has strongholds at different times. We need to, very important, the Bible teaches what to do. It says the first step, I get four R's. We repent. We repent. Repent means literally you're walking one way, you turn around and you walk the other way. That's repentance. If you've ever walked your dog outside and you're walking them out there, and, and, and this probably never happened to you, but some of you might see your neighbors happen. The dog's going one way, also, and they see something they want the other way, and they go, boom! Right? Gone. That's repentance. That's a picture. We actually turn and walk the other way. We turn away, and that's very, very important is repentance. Another important verse, uh, well, I'm going to... Another important R is renouncing. The Bible teaches renouncing, Proverbs 28, 13. We're talking about renouncing our sin. What's the difference between repenting and renouncing? Repentance means to walk the other way. Renouncing means we actually break the effect in our life. We break the effect of it. Think of the dog running the other way, but what's usually attached to that dog's neck? A leash. And they, they start running, and they get to the end of the leash, and they you know, get yanked back again. You yank them back again, right? That's what happens when we repent, but we're still connected many times, always, to our sin. And that's where we have to break the leash. We have to break the chain. We have to break its power. We have to get rid of the computer or whatever it takes. Whatever it takes in our life to break the power of a sin in life, we renounce it. And then we start the resisting process. James 4, 7. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself... Submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. First, we submit to God first. Second, we resist the devil. That's what it takes. There has to be, and this is a continuous, this isn't a one-time thing. This is the rest of your life. If you have a drug problem, you think, it's, you think you're done. No, no, no. You can repent, you can renounce, you can break the ties, but the rest of your life, you're going to have to resist that struggle. And that goes for every struggle we have, isn't it? Every one of us has something that we have to resist for the, our whole life. It's just a constant Submitting to God, resisting the devil. And this is an, the fourth thing is very, very important. The fourth thing is renewing. So we've repented, we've renounced, we're resisting, but we also have to renew. Very, very important is the renewing process. This takes a lifetime. Renewing. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as we're in the Word, and as we're with Christian fellowship, and as we pray, and as we worship, and as we stop looking at all the garbage, that whatever's pulling us down, and we, we start focusing on whatever's true and noble and, and right and pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, we're renewing our minds. And it's a constant, re, the resisting and the renewing is a constant daily activity. Very, very important. Now, as you're going through this, many times we, it's what we're dealing with, a stronghold is so powerful that we need help. 
working through it. Maybe a Christian counselor, maybe another Christian brother or sister, maybe pastor or his wife, whatever. But we, 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 have, we need help going through like a book like Victory Over the Darkness, which is on the shelf, or The Bondage Breaker. We need help working through these things. And, 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 the, and then we have the healing process that follows that. We, we keep using the four R's, repenting, renouncing, resisting, renewing. And sometimes it's not even something we've done. And this is very important. It may not be a sin we've done, but it may be something that's happened to us. Something we've been wounded in some way. Something that's been done to us. It's not our sin, it's somebody else's sin. But it has left doors open once again through bitterness or through fear or through the temptations created. Maybe, you, you know, a lot of times it's through sexual abuse. Somebody's been sexually abused. They didn't do anything wrong. But it opened doors for all kinds of strongholds in their life. Many kinds of different open doors. They have to get the healing. And many of you have gotten that healing. We have a lot of people in the church that are happy to help you through that because they've got the healing and worked their way through that. So, uh, so back to this guy, though. This guy is totally demonized. He's not a Christian. He's under total demonic control. It would take to free this guy, if this guy walked into our church, which uh, could happen where we are, I do hope, but, but uh, let's say this guy walks into our church, it would take an intense time of prayer and spiritual warfare to be set free. It takes a lot of prayer. Uh, Diane was here. Diane and Frank are here today. Remember praying over the old building we used to meet in? I don't want to say too much because this will be on podcast. Remember praying over oh, the demonic out of that building, right? It was crazy. A lot of you guys were here for that. It took hours to, to, to clean it out. But, but this is a, a person. It would take a lot of prayer. Jesus, one word, boom, gone. He's got a, a spiritual authority that you and I don't have. But we do have his authority, and we can battle. It just takes us a little longer. But we do have, we do have his authority. We don't have the same spiritual strength that he is, but we have his name and his power. It would take hours to set him free. And then he would have to become a Christian immediately. Because you know what? If he didn't become a Christian right away, he's going to be right back in the same boat. And not only that, once we're free, we have to want to stay free. Because if we, if we get cleaned out and free, but we go back to whatever opened the door in the first place, guess what? We're worse off than we started with. Seven times, Jesus talked about that, seven times worse off. I've seen people get prayed over and freed and doing great. And they, a week later, they go back to whatever opened the door. And it's worse than ever. Horrible. So that's important. Is they have to become a Christian. They have to want to stay free. This is still very, very common in the world today. A lot of people say, I've had people say, to me, oh, it's just mental illness today. No, 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 no. It's, it, there is mental illness. And we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks. I'm not downplaying any of that stuff. But... There is a lot of demonic activity in the world today, and it's increasing in the United States at an alarming rate. It's increasing here because we are now resisting the spirit. We are quenching the spirit. We, are, uh, we have shut our country off overall to God's presence. We don't want Jesus. Jesus says, you don't want me? You can have the alternative. And that's what we're getting. We're seeing a lot of people turning to, to atheism or to the New Age movement and, and all the crazy practices, yoga and, and all the other crazy things that, that are really just spiritual, demonic spiritual stuff. Uh, not, not, not the exercise part, but the humming and unfocusing. And that's all, that's all right out of you know, the, the, the New Age and Hindu. It's, it's, but we're, we're so open to it all now. And, and we're seeing in our country today, as we reject Jesus and as we resist the Holy Spirit, we're seeing this incredible increase of demonic activity. Read the news. I cannot read the news one day without seeing demonic activity. 
front page, these horrific crimes, the things that are happening that never used to happen. People aren't any different, but when I was a kid, we went out and played, we hung out, we didn't worry about anything. My parents said, disappear, don't come back till after dinner, till dinner time, right? We all lived like that. There was no fear. It was rare that something happened, but now it's commonplace. These horrible crimes, these terrible things you see happening in schools with shootings and all this, it's demonic. It's demonic activity. It has to be. That's because as a country, we are opening ourselves up to the demonic. On the internet, on the TV, through the music, through the books, through everything. We're rejecting Christ, and now we're seeing this demonic activity. It's a spiritual war out there. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you're in a spiritual battle today. We all are. The first step is, if you're not a Christian, is to become a Christian. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's the first step to to becoming free and to living free in Jesus Christ. Is to say, God, I repent of my sin. Everything in my life that goes against your word, I repent of it. I turn away from it. And I put my faith in Jesus to forgive me. He died on the cross for me. That's why he was born and died on that cross. Communion, what it's all about. He died for me. I put my faith in him. I give my life to him. When you take that step, when you take that step of faith, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and Satan is evicted. His power is broken and he can only come back in if we invite him in through any kind of sin. That's his only, only way he can have control over us again is if we give him, give him permission. He is not allowed in because the Holy Spirit now owns our body. The Holy Spirit's there. As Christians, once we do that, it's very important that we break the strongholds. And it's a lifelong process. <laughs> People come to me all the time and say, I've been a Christian for 20 years and now I'm dealing with this. What happened? I said, it's always been there. God's just waiting for the right time to deal with it. We can't deal with everything at once. We'd be overwhelmed. But, but breaking strongholds is a lifelong process. Till the day you die, we're going to be dealing with the four R's. Repenting and renouncing and resisting renewing in many areas of our life. But that's where we need to get help. We need to get a lot of prayer, a lot of discipleship, a lot of good books. We need to get help in this process and, and help other people. The whole point of us getting free is we help other people. We have to be aware. Very important that we stay aware of the spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. Paul lays it out, can't lay it out any more clearly than he does here. He says, now this is what we're dealing with. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's who we're battling. That's what we're dealing with. And once we have that perspective, it changes our everything, the way we see the world, the way that we read the news, the way that we see the temptations that we face, the way that we sit down at, at, with our computer or TV and, and what we allow into our minds. Once we understand that perspective, it changes everything. And, and from there, we're told, then he goes on to tell us what the, how to fight this battle. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your... Uh, 
therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, get this, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That's the word of God, holds it all together. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate, think of the soldiers, Roman soldiers. Righteousness protects the heart, protects the soul, the vital organs. And when we send any kind of sin, we remove that protection. We're sitting ducks. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How many verses do you have memorized? How many verses have you used this week to battle off some kind of attack, some kind of temptation? Get started. (laughs) And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. That's why we're told to put on the spiritual armor every day. Elizabeth Kiefer must say it to me every week. Did you tell this person to put on their spiritual armor? She keeps reminding me to tell people that. Amen. That's why Jesus Christ came, though, at Christmas. Jesus Christ came at Christmas so that we could be set free. He came so that he could die for us someday, which he did on the cross, to set us free. Because he knows we're, we, were, we weren't in a spiritual battle. We were POWs. We were prisoners of war. Every one of us was prisoners of Satan. We were children of Satan until we put our faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches it. But Jesus came to set us free. And this is a verse I want to lead into communion with. Hebrews 2 Start with verse 14 and then 15. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That's why Jesus came at Christmas. So that he could die for us and free us. So that we could live in spiritual freedom. And that's what communion is all about. Jesus died, was born to die. He died on the cross. He took our punishment, our sin, our filth, our rebellion. He took it all upon himself on that cross. His body was given. The the bread represents the body of Christ. And and the, the, the grape juice represents the blood of Christ. He gave his body and blood in our place. He sacrificed himself so that the sin would be would be paid for so that if we would turn to him and look to him and pray to him we could receive that forgiveness by asking for it have you ever put your faith in jesus christ if you have are you are you communing with him are we communing with him this communion is just meant to to prime the pump it's it's got to be a continuous communing with jesus and and confessing confession is a big part of communion confessing it that's the key to living free and keeping our freedom what we do in a few moments we're just gonna have a little bit of quiet time of prayer and and play some worship music and when you're ready you just come on down and and take a piece of the bread and, and one of the cups and you can do this by yourself, you can do it with your family, you can do it with a friend, you can, however you feel led, you just go back to your seat, and, and when, it's, when you feel ready, you take, take communion. If you're not a Christian yet, and you don't want to become one, don't, because this is, 
The Bible's very clear. This is for those who put their faith in Christ. If there's a sin in your life, you say, I'm not going to surrender it. Notice I didn't say you don't... You, it doesn't mean you can't be a sinner because we're all sinners. But this is a time to confess. And if you're, whatever you've come in struggling with, sinning, confess it and come forward. But if there's something you're not willing to surrender, don't take it. The Bible says don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. Very, very serious in God's sight. But I hope everybody here puts their faith in Christ and makes sure of that today. And I hope everybody here can conf- surrender whatever has to be surrendered so that you can commune with Take the communion, but also commune with Jesus on a regular basis. If not, it's okay. We don't videotape. We don't look around. It's between you and God. This is just between you and him. But I hope that you can surrender to Christ today. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you. Speak into your heart. Maybe you're already a Christian, but there's something that you need to confess and you need to repent and renounce and resist and renew starting today so that you can really be connected to Jesus and really commune with God. Will you surrender that to him today? Maybe you're here today. Well, everybody's praying. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to him. But this could be the day of salvation for you. This could be the day of spiritual freedom for you. This could be the day that your life is changed for eternity. Right now, it takes a prayer. Just something like this. There's no perfect way of praying it, but just something like this, that Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me, for my sin. You took God's wrath on yourself. You took the judgment that I deserve on yourself. I believe that. And I repent of anything in my life, every sin in my life, anything in my life that goes against your word, I repent of it. I ask you to forgive me. And I put my faith in you, Jesus my faith in you and I'm going to follow you. I give you my life. If you pray that prayer of faith, something radical, something amazing has happened inside of you which you're going to experience more and more every day. You've been set free. The Holy Spirit is now inside of you and your life has been changed forever. I want to encourage you to let somebody know soon. Tell me on the way out. Tell the car. Tell a family member or friend, whoever you came with. Let somebody know. Email me, text me. Tell somebody. So we can be excited for you and help you in your new life. I want to encourage you to enjoy the communion this morning and communing with God every day now through his son Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move in a special way in our hearts and lives this morning through this communion time. We ask that in Jesus' name.